Hello and welcome to Quick Looks from the Long View. Uh, this is an episode that's being recorded on Sunday, the 21st of May, 2017. Uh, this is episode 27 of Quick Looks. Hard to believe, but it's, uh, it is indeed episode 27. And uh, as a little change of pace, instead of my usual compatriot, uh, Lloyd Keller, uh, who I have for the Quick Looks episodes, I'm pleased to be joined by my co-host for the Long View, T.C. Reed, who's dropped by tonight to join me for this episode of Quick Looks. So, T.C., hello. Welcome. Yeah, I'm excited to be part of your my first quick looks here. There you go. Well, we're very pleased to have you. I like you like how I use the royal we there. I don't know exactly what that's all about. But it's we. <laughs> we are pleased. We are amused to have you on the show tonight, Mr. Reed. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly why I phrase it that way. But yeah, it's nice to have you on. And uh, thanks for agreeing to come on the show tonight, talk about a few games. Um, have quite the uh, little queue of games uh, for review that uh, I've needed to kind of get to. And unfortunately, at the end of the school year, it is one of the worst possible times for me. I get very little gaming done, as uh, people who are following me on Twitter uh, can attest to. It seems like I've kind of gone a little dark. Um, few and far between on the postings there. Uh, regular Monday night group is kind of... Uh, um off to the side for now um, for work-related reasons. And, oh, my goodness, you know, the kids have something every night and concerts and special events, and uh, it's just a crazy time of the year. But uh, I wanted to try to get uh, this out there because I've been trying to get something together with Lloyd for about three weeks, and that's just not happening. And so I asked TC uh, to step up and uh, help me out a little bit. And uh, thankfully for me, he was gracious enough to do so. Um, so, TC, thanks for uh, joining me, and I appreciate you doing this on short notice and so soon after your power rangers adventure would you like to tell us a little bit about that today oh my goodness yeah my seven-year-old really wanted to go see power rangers so uh, i went to go see it with them and you know when you go to a movie expecting absolutely nothing and it turns out not to be as bad as you thought it would be and your seven-year-old is very entertained and quiet and is in rapture uh, i think you can call that a success absolutely uh, I would call it the most cohesive movie, and it's basically a teen <laughs> angst for two hours. And I'm really glad I'm not in high school anymore. But having maybe having Power Ranger powers would have helped out. I'm not entirely sure. I think living it in Angel Grove. <laughs> yeah, Angel Grove, really? Oh man, yep. See, I don't. I avoided the Power Rangers. I missed. I missed Transformers and Power Rangers. That was like my age range. I kind of completely missed that. People who are, you know, about four or five years younger than me, that was their whole, like, you know, Transformers and Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles. And for me, I missed all of that. Um, and I must say, I'm kind of happy that I did. Um, well, when you have a <laughs> seven-year-old, uh, he's getting into tur- Ninja Turtles and Power So I'm, like, living all through all this again. It's, it's, it's just recurring. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I thought I got through this. I'm getting pulled back in. Why? Yep, yep. <laughs> yes, every time I think, I'm, every time I think yeah. I'm out, they pull me back in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I kind of get that feeling too. But you know what? That makes you a good dad. You know, I mean, I've I said to my friend jokingly uh, a while back when uh, he was having his first kid, and you know, he asked me what it was like being a dad. I said, well, being a dad involves uh, doing a lot of stuff that you really just don't want to do, and it's it's not about you anymore. You know, no, it's everything not. becomes about that. Listen, you know, I said, I said, Zach, listen, man, I could die a happy man, never seen another giraffe. Seen one. <laughs> know what it looks like seeing the black tongue thing yes very tall mm, yes very pretty i don't need to go to a zoo ever again i've seen all the cool animals i've been there i've smelled them i've touched some of them you know um don't really need to but you know kids want to go so i go you know it's it's kind of like you don't really want to see the power rangers but your kid wants to go so you go so you know that's why i said that makes you a good dad so um you know i'm glad that your son had a good time and, and was very excited by it so uh believe it or not this is not a, a movie review show however although we certainly could talk about that there's been so many uh, movies that have been released recently this is a game about board games and cards this is a game yeah this is a show it's a rather, show it's about, a podcast it's, it's a game it's a show that likes to be a game or a game that likes to be a show I know it's the blue pill or the red pill um it's a show about uh, board games and card games so uh let's start talking a little bit about those 
the first one that uh, I think I'd like to kind of uh, bring up tonight would be uh, probably the smallest game. Uh, and it's one that I know you haven't had a chance to play yet. So uh, this is a little game that was sent to me by Tasty Minstrel. Uh, they sent me quite a few little games, um, including uh, Guns and Steel, which uh, I'm really looking forward to trying that one out. And I saw this little game uh, that they had sent me called Okie Dokie. <laughs> Okie Dokie. <laughs> It's literally called Okie Dokie, and uh, this is a game, uh, what kind of got my attention was the designer, which is Hizashi Hayashi, and I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, Hizashi Hayashi has made quite a few games that I really, really like, so, hmm, okay, it looks a little kind of goofy and silly, but hey, you know, maybe this is going to be really cool. Um, so Okie Dokie um, is a card game. It's completely made of cards, and it's a cooperative game. It's for one to five players, and it's very fast. I'd say it's probably about a 20-minute game. Um, and basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the whole band together, okay? Uh, we're getting the band back together, Elwood. Um, this <laughs> is <laughs> – but the band is all animals, so they're these cute little animals. So the panda bear is the conductor, as well he should be. And then you have, I don't know why, but I just figured I should say that. And then you have these other animals, you know, you have the elephants and you have, you know, lions and all of these different kinds of animals that represent the different parts of the band. So you have the vocalists, you have the drummers, you have like your brass players. Um, And so what you're trying to do is these cards are numbered from one through eight. And you need to get those cards out in their order from one to eight if possible or they must be in ascending order so in other words i don't have to start with the one i could start with the two and then i could play the three and the four or i could start with the the two and i could play the four um but if now if i get the one and the three in my hand then i'm kind of stuck because i'm already at four and i can't really play the one i can't really play the three so it doesn't sound like it would be much of a game right but the conductor can fix the section for you, okay? So each of the uh, different colors of cards, when you kind of start the game, you lay out sort of a, the sort of an axis of a grid, so like the y-axis. And in uh, this y-axis, you have two panda cards, two conductor cards for um, each of the colors that you're going to be laying out. Um, and so what you're going to do during the course of the game is you are going to start building columns of these colors. You can't put more cards in a row. Um, you actually have to completely fill a column before you can move on to start making the second column. So you're going to have to play cards of each color, or you're going to have to play a special card. So there are a couple different special cards. There's the conductor. What the conductor does is he allows you to sort of reset. So let's say I go to that first example, and I had started off by playing uh, the two, and then I played the four. And later, I have the one and the three in my hand, and they are unplayable right now. But if I play one of the panda conductors, it resets that color back to zero. So now I could play the one. And since I'd already played the two and the four, now I can play the one and the three. And then hopefully, either myself or someone else will get the five, and we'll keep playing the cards, hopefully in sequence, until we get to eight. So you're going to have two panda bear cards per color. So you're going to have the opportunity to reset twice. You also have special cards that are called chameleon cards. And what they are, are they're cards that are going to allow you to stall. So let's say, um, TC, nobody has an orange card in their hand, okay? And you have to play one card of each color in each column. So it's like, hmm. what are we going to do? Nobody has an orange card, so we can either reset the orange column or... If we have a chameleon card, we can play the chameleon card. And what the chameleon does is it kind of stalls for you. He is equal to whatever card was before him. So if I had an orange six in that column and no one had a seven, no one had an eight, um, we could stall by playing the chameleon. And what the chameleon allows you to do is he's going to kind of duplicate that six and buy you some time. So uh, you're playing together. Um, The basic mechanism of the game is you play a card and you uh, draw a card. That's it. And you can't really tell each other exactly what you have. You have to kind of, it's almost like Hanabi-ish kind of. 
um, in that you can't say, well, I have the six. Do you have the five? You can't do that. You, know, you can see things like, you know, well, I can really do something with orange if you guys can leave it alone or something like that. You can kind of give these little sort of cancer. I'm pretty set for red. You know, if I've got the next two sequential red numbers, um, I can say something like that. But I can't say, guys, I got the three and the four. You can't do that. Um, and so you play a card, you pick a card. Uh, and the other kind of cool thing about the, the game TC is that when you play one of those panda cards, um, you then have the option of discarding zero, one, or two cards from your hand. Mm-hmm. They go to the bottom of the draw deck, and then you draw those cards back up again. So you have your full hand size, which can be awesome. So like if I start the game and I got a bunch of eights in my hand, well, I can play a panda, um, reset a color, and then ditch those eights, put them at the bottom of the deck, which is where you want them. You want them to come up late in the game and then, you know, draw some cards, which hopefully will be more playable. So it's really kind of clever. Um, it's very light. It's very easy to play. Takes about four minutes to teach. Um, you know, it's listed for ages six and up. And I'd say, yeah, you know, that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, it's a real simple, pleasant little game to play. And because of the rules about you must fill a column before you add another card to a row, uh, the way the pandas work, the way the chameleons work, it's got some, you know, interesting kind of decisions in it and some tension to it. And it's over super quick. And it's a great little filler game. So um, once again, Hizashi Hayashi does not disappoint. Um, You know, this is not a main course for sure. This is not, you know, a heavy, heavy game, but, you know, it's a really cute, fun, kind of a cooperative game uh, that you can play with up to five people while you're waiting uh, for, you know, the next uh, game that you're going to play or waiting for a table to finish uh, that, you you know, you can go and join some of your other friends. So that's Okie Dokie. Um, This is, you know, like I said, one that is uh, originally put out um, in Japan and Tasty Minstrel picked it up. So uh, if you are you know, looking to fill out an order, I mean, this is like a great little game <laughs> for that. You just throw this puppy into the cart and uh, you know, it'll, it'll be a, a good little filler for you to go to. And it's got you know, that kind of cute, engaging art, very clear graphics, very clear rules. And it has another neat thing in there, TC, where you can kind of level the game based on the number of chameleon cards you play. So um, I think the game comes with three chameleons. So, you know, the super easy way to play is with three chameleons. You put three Mm -hmm. chameleons into the deck. The normal is two and the hard is one. So I've never played super easy. Um, I've played with the normal and we've lost, I think, two and one three. Um, So then we kind of went to the um, hard with just one chameleon. And it's kind of like, hard to believe that one card can make that much of a difference, but our win loss ratio went way down. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of thought, you know, okay, that's cool. You know, I like that something very simple like that levels the game. So, um, you know, I think it's a really good family game and a great filler game. Um, you know, and, and again, it's just uh, clever and fast. So, uh, those are kind of my impressions of the game. Okie dokie. And thanks for, uh, Tasty Minstrels, uh, sending that along uh, to check out. It's another fun game to add to the collection um, from a designer that I've really kind of come to enjoy. Yeah, that designer, I like that designer a lot. And the theme, I'm a band nerd, so the theme definitely is appealing to me. And the fact, and the fact that it's a cooperative game really sounds really strong. And how long does it usually take to play? Like 20 minutes. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's a perfect filler right yeah. there. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's, it's real fast. And very kind of just pleasant, you know, Um, it, it, you know, I'm not going to say there are definitely decisions to be made, but they're kind of group decisions. So you don't have a lot of pressure on you. You have that tension of the draw, you know, am I going to pick the card that I need? Um, Am I going to get a color that's going to work for me? But a lot of times, you know, you're going to be discussing with the table, okay, you know, do we want to use our pass on red this turn? Or, you know, no, 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 I'm, I'm good on red. Oh, okay. All right. So then should we use it on orange? You know, how's everybody set for orange? And so you kind of like talk through those decisions. And, you know, if you kind of lose the game, it's usually late in the game. I haven't really had it where we've lost super early. And so it, that's kind of fun, you know, because it's such a short game. I mean, it would be kind of annoying if it was over in five minutes, 
Um, there's usually enough kind of maneuvering and stuff that you can do through those reset cards and chameleons that you can extend the game and you get pretty darn deep into it usually before you lose. And so that kind of builds up a little bit of the excitement and it makes it so that you get your full kind of value out of the game. Um, you know, I've had other kind of super fillers, um, and regular fillers that I've played that, you know, I like, but sometimes they're, it takes longer to set them up than it does to play them. And this is not one of those. So, um, you know, and again, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's from a designer that, I really do kind of, uh, you know, appreciate, I mean, geez, um, you know, we're talking about like trains. Um, I remember the first time I played trains, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, you just released uh, Yokohama. Yeah. Yokohama is just a, a phenomenal yeah. game. So, um, and, and he really seems to be kind of running the gamut. I believe, uh, Hisashi, uh, Hayashi was also, uh, the gentleman that did, uh, sail to India. I oh, think. sail to India. That was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just a wonderful game. So, uh, you know, this is uh, another game that is, uh, you know, a lot of fun from this designer and a good family game. So, uh, I think you should definitely check it out. All right. Um, so the next game that we wanted to talk a little bit about um, is a new game from Stronghold. Uh, this is a game that uh, was out uh, a little while ago from Egerspiele, uh over in Germany. And it's been released here, uh, I'd say about a month and a half, two months ago by Stronghold Games. Yep. And it's called Colbaron, the Great Card Game. <laughs> uh, I love the fact that it calls itself great. Yes, uh, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. But hey, man, Kiesling and Kramer, they can certainly call themselves great. So uh, I guess I should not begrudge them that in any way, shape, or form. They have put out some fantastic games. But uh, yeah, this is a game that is apparently based on a board game. Uh, the board game was called Cole Baron. I never yes. played it. Um, oh, you have? Okay, cool. Yes. So never never had a chance to play that one. Um, I think that was put up by R&R Games, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying yeah, to... Yeah, it uh, was not um, Stronghold. No, I don't think it was Eggertspiele either. I think it was R&R, but I, I'm not sure. I'm just kind of... Don't quote me on that. But I never had a chance to really kind of check that out or play that. Uh, but then when I uh, heard about Cole Baron, I was just like, oh, okay, cool. You know, this, this would be a chance for me to kind of check this out. And uh, Lloyd had played it and really enjoyed it. And so I thought, okay, I want to check this thing out too. So, um, Cole Baron, the, uh, the, the card game, I'm going to do away with the great, um, <laughs> is for two to four players. And not, just because it's awkward, the great card game, it's just Cole Baron, the card game, man. Um, <laughs> so it's for two to four players. It plays in, uh, it says like 50 to 80 minutes. And I'd say that's pretty accurate. It, it plays in about 45 minutes to an hour for two players and then it kind of takes longer from there if you're adding uh, more people and at its heart basically it is a complete card game Uh, you have kind of like a little sort of a player it's not even a mat it's kind of this kind of like little just a cardboard thing yeah just like a vertical piece and uh, what you're going to be doing is you are going to be uh, accumulating coal uh, that is coming out of the mines uh, that's in these little coal cars. And you're going to be getting yourself some locomotives and you're going to be um, trying to fulfill orders um, that uh, are going to be getting you your victory points. So, you know, kind of standard stuff. But then there's also um, sort of like technology cards um, that are there that are kind of like these special ability cards that you can kind of grab. Um, and the whole thing really kind of comes together very nicely, very smoothly. And it's really kind of interesting in the way that some of the things are set up. Let me give you an example. Every single uh, coal card, and then um, you're going to load the coal onto uh, a a train train car. car, Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. And then the train car has to be attached to a locomotive. Locomotive, yeah. And so each of these, you have room for three locomotives. You have like three loading docks, right? And the coal that you get is kind of, you, you purchase it and it goes into a queue, it goes into a line. And one of the kind of tricks there is that you have to basically uh, make sure that you are always taking the coal um, as if it's rolling off an assembly line, okay? So you have to take it from right to left. So whatever is the coal card that is closest 
um, to your little player mat there is the first one that has to be loaded. Now, you can have three different trains, but it is the first one that needs to be loaded, and then the one behind it will slide up, and you can load that one, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing is, is that there's these little kind of crests that are on the cars, that are on um, the The, loading stations, the loading docks, right? And you have to kind of do this little matching game. So, you know, you need to be able to load the coal into a car that has the crest that matches the platform and everything has to kind of match up in order for you to be able to legally load it. Once you've loaded it and you have a locomotive, if you have an order card, this order card will then tell you how much coal the order's for. So it might be for two or three or four coal. Um, And so once you kind of have enough coal, then the train can leave the station. It clears your board and you're going to be scoring points for that contract. You might be scoring points for some of the cards that you had loaded. Some of the coal cards are worth like points at the end of the game, et cetera. Um, and so it's really kind of got a little bit more to think about than you might originally think just kind of looking at the game because of this kind of matching that you have to do, which I also have to say seems to make it, even though I don't struggle with colorblindness, it makes it colorblind friendly. Yeah. Cause the crests because, are a different color. Exactly. And, and they have different symbol. shapes and symbols yeah. and yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. In addition, you also have like a little stock thing going on where every contract that you're fulfilling is either going to be like for a factory or it might be for, um, you know, a a steamship, um, you know, or or whatever. Right. And Mm -hmm. so if you can fulfill orders for that type of industry and gain these stock certificates in the matching industry, that's going to boost your score. So you have like these tech cards that you can acquire. You have these stock cards that you can acquire. You have um, all of this kind of uh, chain of events to, to load a train, you know, from coal to car, car to train, train order out, right? Which is kind of fun to do. It's a logistics kind of a puzzle. And then on top of it all, you have this really interesting worker system. Have you played the game enough to to kind of be able to describe that? Because I've been talking for a while. Yeah, well, the way that works is you, so the workers have a number on it, if I remember right. And in order to take the action that you want to take, by the way, this game has a huge spread on it. You think a card, it's just a card game, but these cards are everywhere. Oh, it, yeah. This gets, wow, the, the, the table space this game takes is actually quite impressive. But in order to do the action, you got to play a card number that's higher than the previous one. So if you want, if someone did a one, you got to play a two to activate it. And if someone plays a two, then you got to play a three. You got to play higher. You can combine those cards if I remember right. Yep. But yeah. And yeah, so you have to play. You, don't have, you have a set hand of workers you're having to deal with. So you're trying to figure out where to put them and what to hang on to and what actions you want to do. Because if you don't manage those workers, right, you can be, you can be in a position where you can't do an action you need to take. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's really kind of one of the coolest parts of the game because everything that I've been describing takes an action. There's like a card that you put workers on to take that action. So if you want to get coal, um, the first person who goes there can put a one. And you take a, a coal card that is available in a display and you just take it. You're like, here it is. Um, if you want to get a locomotive, um, you can put a worker there and you, the first person there can put a one. Um, and then you take a locomotive that's available from the display. Uh, if you want one of those tech cards or an order card or whatever it is you want to do, you put your workers out. And so the next person in line would have to put out a two, like you described. And the mm-hmm. next person would have to put out a three. Like you can't yeah. jump to like six, you know, no, it's got to go sequentially. Exactly. And so, you know, you have this hand of workers, which is like, you know, a few ones, a couple twos, a three. And then in the four and five player games, you have like fours and fives. Okay. And so you're absolutely right. TC, there were plenty of times when I had been like saving my two card or my three card and because somebody else threw a three down when I wasn't anticipating it, I was then stuck with this three card that I couldn't legally play. 
Yep. Because there was nowhere I could put it. And it's like, oh, geez. So you kind of like wasted that worker for that round. So that's a really, really cool, inventive worker mechanism that adds a lot of tension to the game. I don't think this game works as well as it does, at least in my opinion, without that worker system, because that's a lot of nail biting. It's like, okay, okay, I need to put a two. Do I put my physical two out or do I put out two ones? If I save the two ones, then I can put the one with the two or I can put the one with a three to make a four. And so you got all this that you're kind of thinking about. And you're also trying to do things in the correct order because of the crest kind of matching system that I talked about. So, you know, I really need that um, car. You know, I need that coal car. Um, but if I wait and take this order card first, um, do I think my opponents are going to take that coal car? If they do, then maybe I won't get one that has the crest I want. Booger. Well, there is this cool other little uh, action space we haven't talked about where you can kind of select a stack of cards and take, what is it? I think three of them. You can kind of look at three. Yes. mm -hmm, And then you can pick any of those three you want and put the other two at the bottom of the deck. And that's really cool. But the lowest number that you can play there is a two. Two, yep. And so it's kind of expensive in game terms, but boy, it saved my behind. I don't know how many times. So yeah, that's a yeah that's that a neat really, part isn't it yeah i like that that i was almost i mean i was like oh man you know when you're when you have like you know when the when the coal comes out you have two piles to pick from right they tries to make it a little even but i was like man there's nothing in here i need but that action really helps mitigate the cards that so you can maybe get something going if it wasn't for that the card the worker placement cards and that being able to go through the cards I probably wouldn't have wanted to play this as often as I do. <laughs> yeah, I would I would agree with that because that's the thing that mitigates that card flop. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it is expensive and the game does reward you if you can be efficient. Um, mm-hmm. And if you can just take something that's there and make it work, that's going to be much better than spending the extra workers in order to dig because you're not guaranteed when you dig. But usually you can find something decent, right? If you twist it three cards, you can you can work with something more likely than not. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, it's it's a great system to kind of help people with the randomness of a card flop. Um, but at the same time, you know, the game encourages you not to use it if you don't have to. And let me let me explain what I mean by that. So, for example, um, I said you have three loading docks, right? So for one action, you can fulfill a contract, but If you happen to make it so that you have all three locomotives or two locomotives of the same color, because they come in all these different colors, then when I do a delivery action, I can deliver as many orders as I, as I can up to the three, as long as all the locomotives are the same color, which is awesome. So if you can make it so that you've got all three of your locomotives the same color. I've had games, TC, where I didn't deliver a dang thing until (laughs) close to the end of the game. And then it was just like, boom, you know, I had big orders and I had spent time getting those stock certificates to match those orders. And I just had everything, all my ducks in a row. And I just kind of splashed towards the end of the game and just, you know, had all these deliveries happen for one worker, one action. And it was awesome. Yeah, if you can chain all together, that's neat. I mean, you know, it's really critical when you have a contract because it goes to like a particular, like a shipyard or something and be able to match that and score even more points. It's all about chaining things together, matching things up and just pounding out as many points as you can. Right. And and that's one of the things that I kind of think makes the game very engaging. Now, okay, I played the game two, three, and four. Um, Four... I thought was a little chaotic and a little random, a little more random feeling because there were so many people who were taking an action before me that often I couldn't really make any decisions about what I wanted to do until it was my turn. It reminded me of five tribes. Right? Like there's <laughs> no point in trying to plan anything in five tribes because the board's going to look completely different by the time it's your turn. Um, with three, I kind of thought, okay, this is pretty cool. There's more intense competition 
and I'm stymied a little more often than I am in the two-player game, which adds tension, which is, you know, good in a game like this. Um, but it wasn't, like, super chaotic. Um, like, I kind of felt the four-player game was. So three was was pretty cool. But I actually think I like this as a couples game the best um, because, you know, as a two-player game, um, it really does kind of uh, give you that sort of ability to sort of plan some things out and map some things out and really kind of take into account what your opponent is doing and try to kind of either interfere with them or stay away from them or whatever your style of play is, right? And so I think I enjoyed this one best with two. I'm kind of curious. What were your thoughts about player count with uh, Cole Baron, the great card game? I think it's a great two-player game. Um, I've played it twice at two player and then one at four player. And I thought, yeah, I I tend to agree Four player trying to plan something out. You just, you have to like walk away for a bit and then let two people take their turn, then walk back and go and then reassess what you can do because everything changes. So, you know, the downtime on it, I I think the biggest problem with me with more players is the downtime on it. If you play two, it goes pretty quick and you can kind of plan out what you want to do and not, be totally humped when right you know what your actions you want to take yeah that's another good point is is that sort of ap potential because you are trying to do so much matching and because you're trying to get your coal in your queue in the right order i mean there is a way that you can kind of take a coal card out of the queue and put it in a different area and then load it up later but again you're sacrificing efficiency there and so it's probably not the best thing to do unless you have to so there is definitely that, that AP potential um, because of all of the sort of matching that you're trying to do. And then, of course, you know, the, 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 the O word, you know, the optimization word in these <laughs> kind of games, right? Yeah. Um, that can kind of come into play. And then again, you know, the factor that I brought up, which is uh, the one that you agreed with, which is you don't really, you kind of have to look with fresh eyes when you're playing at a higher player count. Um, You can't really plan much ahead. So uh, all of those things do lead to a lot of downtime. And that's something that I think people should be aware of at the high player count of four. So three, I thought was pretty cool. Normally I would think like three is the sweet spot, Um, less downtime, less chaos, more interaction, but man, I really like this as a two-player. So I'm I'm really endorsing this as a two-player game. And I'm endorsing it in place of another sort of train-themed game. This is more of a trolley kind of themed game, which was Trombon, uh, which oh. came out as a two-player game, I believe, from Mayfair. Wow, it's, it's been like a while the, since I heard about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like the trolley system. And it's a yeah. very pleasant game. But it's basically kind of like Lost Cities, the trolley game. It, it, it really feels a lot in some ways like Lost Cities. It's got that sequential numbering thing again. And uh, the, the twist on it is that the players kind of have some control over when scoring happens. But other than that, um, it's a very mathematical exercise. And there's really like almost no theme at all, like nothing. <laughs> Um, whereas this game, I really felt that I could feel the theme coming through, you know, it's like, here's the orders, you know, this is, this is the, these are the companies that I enjoy working with, you know, the stock and, um, you know, trying to get the, the coal and the right cars and then the, you know, locomotives attached and then get them out. I kind of felt that there was a lot more theme here and there were better decisions to be made in this game, which took about the same amount of time as a two player game. So, I mean, Tromba might have been a little bit faster, but I don't know. I mean, people were just ranting and raving about that, and I got a copy of it because they're saying, oh, it's a great couples game. And my wife definitely enjoys that one, but we both enjoy this one more. There's just more decisions, more meat on the bones in this game. Wow. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Now, our, our, our go-to two-player game has always been Yaipur, or Jaipur, however yeah, you yeah. want to pronounce it. Yep. Um, I don't know, theme with Coal Baron, and you really got to squint because it's kind of hard saying only this coal can go into this car because of a symbol on it. Okay. Well, I, but it, I could see, you know, it's, it, it still functions well. I mean, it's a Kramer game. You know, it, it was okay. <laughs> I don't, I, I, you know, here's, here's, my, here's my position with it is I played it at a game convention as one of those play to win games. So you played right. it and you got a chance to win it. I played it three or four times. And if I won it, fine. If I didn't, fine 
Because here's the biggest problem. I am hooked on Coliseum right now. So if I'm going to be playing a Kiesling Crammer game, mm. I'm going to be pulling out Coliseum because I am really, really enjoying that game. <laughs> Yeah, that that is a uh, one of those you know oldie but goodies. You know, I'm oh, glad the Tuesday Minstrel put that out again. Although I do miss the oh, Days the, of Wonder yes, edition that I yes. used to have. It's one yes. of those that I I got rid of a while ago, and like I kick myself for now uh, because it had those beautiful pawns that were like wrapped up and just oh, they were just fantastic. Yeah. And it was like, why did I get rid of that? You know, I just, kicked myself. Eh. It took me so long to play it because everyone's talked about it for years. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm just now getting around to playing this. I've, I'm I'm a winner. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty cool game. I have not picked up the new edition yet, but uh, you know, I, I definitely had played the older edition and and uh, can attest to the fact that it is a very cool little recipe filling game. You know, it's yeah. it's one of those where you know you're trying to put on a show and uh, you know you have to find the right acts and there's auctions. Yeah, but the and recipe it's very tense. The recipe put together is like a lion show. I mean, it, it's to- it's totally irrelevant to gameplay. But you're like, yeah, I got this show, and there's lions and cages and, and gladiators, tigers. and this name something ridiculous. It's like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> yes, the yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, it, it's definitely a classic. And I mean, these guys have put out some really good games. Um, over the years and, and games that I have really tremendously enjoyed. So I'm really glad that uh, Cole Baron, the great card game uh, is one that I really, I think I like it more than you do. You sound like you're kind of rating it like a kind of a middle of the road kind of a game. Yeah. It was just, like I said, I would play it, but it's not gonna, it's, eh, you know, Um, uh, I mean, if you enjoy Kiesling Kramer games, this is, is a very solid entry. And if you like this style of game, it's really good. It's just I, you know, Porta and was that Porta and Porta Negra, uh, Negra, Negra, yeah, Porta Negra, and, yeah. Negra and um, I think they even put out a kids game. I think it's called like Adventureland or something that Haba put out. Um, I don't remember that. Yeah, I, I don't. Oh, there's a Haba's kids game, I think. But so there's uh, maybe I'm just hitting. Uh, maybe I'm at, a, I'm at a threshold on them. Maybe I just want to. Maybe it's your fault. I'm playing older games. I like Coliseum. <laughs> I blame you for this, Jeff. But there you go. That's that's. Eh, there you go. <laughs> so you're kind of middle of the road with it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, to me, the greatest like uh, Kiesling Kramer game, uh, really my favorite is Tikal. I mean, yes. that's just a phenomenal game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand the new edition is supposed to be beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that's like uh, that whole mask trilogy was just something that was really kind of amazing uh, that they did together. Uh, but this one, uh, the Colbert and the Great Card Game, I really have enjoyed this and would highly recommend this as a two player game. So uh, that's, uh, you know, my thoughts, and those are uh, TC's thoughts about. Uh, Cole Baron, the great card game released in 2016 uh, by Stronghold Games, originally by Eggert Spiele and Pegasus Spiele um, for two to four players playing in about an hour. All right. So the last game we're going to talk about tonight is a game called Evolution Climate. Uh, this is a game that was sent to me a little while ago, um, sort of out of the blue. Northstar kind of sent an email uh, over to the Longview and said, you know, would you be interested in looking at this? I'm like, sure, uh, because I had played, TC, the original Evolution game that was the sort of Russian edition um, in like a little green box. Wow. And um, it was a very sort of a, a little bit of an unbalanced kind of weird game, but I recognized that there was something cool in there. You know, as, as a fan of science and in particular evolutionary science and paleontology and, uh, you know, uh, morphology and adaptations and, um, you know, population pressures and diversity and all that kind of fun stuff, just really, really loved the theme and had been waiting for someone uh, to do this kind of theme, uh, you know, Phil Eklund had certainly tackled it in like Bios Megafauna, uh, <laughs> you know, which was actually American Megafauna, I think was the original. Yeah. And I just, pff, I could not parse that to save my life. Um, so yeah, this was kind of like a game that I thought, oh, cool. You know, I teach um, evolution concepts in my fifth grade classroom in science. I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe I can use this in the classroom. 
Um, so that also kind of was another reason my interest was uh, kind of peaked. Uh, but, you know, the card art was kind of plain. It was a little uninspiring. Um, and there, there were some parts of the game that were a little wonky um, that didn't necessarily uh, work very sort of elegantly. And so I kind of like let it go after a while. I was like, eh, all right, whatever. Uh, really cool idea. A neat kernel of an idea here. But, you know, uh, I don't think I'm going to keep this one. Well, lo and behold, uh, Northstar ends up, I guess, picking up the license for it mm-hmm. and puts out uh, a new version of it um, with this ridiculous tricked out like brontosaurus first player yeah. marker and <laughs> – these beautiful, like, kind of, you know, uh, watercolor artworks. Oh, yeah. Beautiful the artwork is artwork. fantastic on that thing. Oh, it's unbelievable. And this, you know, nice little food tokens and a little watering hole. Yep. And it was a totally different way of keeping track of, um, you know, the food supply and what you had eaten. And uh, it was just, it, everything clicked. They had uh, kind of balanced out the cards. Uh, between the carnivore cards and uh, sort of the defensive cards that um, the other animals, uh, including, you know, carnivores could have. Um, So there's all kinds of like attack abilities and adaptations, uh, you know, like pack hunting. And then there were also sort of defensive herding, which is kind of like the the counter to that. Um, you fatty know, or, storage. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fat fat tissue. You know, fat love tissue, me yeah. some fat. I can identify with that. Long necks. And, yes. Yeah. Oh. Just awesome stuff. And very thematic, but very simple, right? So this idea of, you know, well, uh, long neck means that you can go and you can grab some food early. You, you have access to food that other animals don't at the watering hole, which is very thematic to the fact that these long neck sauropods were able to reach higher and grab food sources that other animals just could not get to. So that was like awesome. And don't forget, um, you, you could, um, when you got your traits out, you could flip over the back of the sheet and actually had scientific names for the critter you were building. Yes, which was really. I cool. love that. Oh, that, that we would we we just have so much fun just reading out our animal we had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean that was like that was so much fun. Um, you know, defensive stuff like burrowing and all this kind of cool stuff. Symbiosis. Uh, yeah, symbiosis. <laughs> nocturnal. You know, uh-huh. all of these great things covering these uh, these concepts. But Northstar, I guess, it spent a lot of time. Uh, you know, with the designers, I'm assuming, uh, kind of rebalancing sort of the cards and and really upping the quality of the components and the art and everything else and ended up being this really cool game. Um, you know, you, you had these little uh, boards to kind of track your population and your body size. And mm-hmm. uh, the rules were very simple, you know. Yeah, it was like uh, five page rule book and really and really well written, too. Absolutely. And really clear. Right. You yes. know. And clean, so clean, clean game. So it was a game that I really enjoyed. Um, and my kids really enjoyed for a while. It was really fun to kind of, you know, make these animals that would go and eat each other. Yeah. My daughter really liked this game. This, she actually went out and got the expansion. This is the first time she's ever done this. She bought the expansion. She wanted to read it, put it together and teach me how to play the game with the expansion evolution flight. Oh, wow. That's kind of cool. That's always yeah. a great sign. Cause my kids hate uh, even the, 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 the idea of trying to teach a game, you know, they always want me to teach it. So that, that tells you that, uh, she must've really dug it. Yeah. She really likes it. So evolution flight, I didn't really have the chance to try. Um, And then along comes evolution climate. And so when they offered that to me, I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to check that out. And so uh, before we go into Evolution Climate, could you maybe tell us a little bit, TC, about what Evolution Flight offered? Yeah, Evolution Flight offered you another board. Where you, you know, you had that little board you put the cubes in and everything. Mm-hmm. It gave you another one, and you added cards, and it gave you like a rock that your birds could fly off to to feed on. And it, 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 it couldn't, they couldn't get very big. But it was just another species you could put out, and it had different traits, and there were different action cards. It was a really nice expansion that really didn't, it, 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 you know, it didn't change the game, but it, it what do you call it? it? It just made it, just these little changes that made it a little bit better. So it, it enhanced it. Yeah. It enhanced, there you go. Thank you. It enhanced it very well. Um, it wasn't that expensive. And yeah, it was solid. It, I was really surprised. And the fact that my guy, my daughter was like, nine or 10 at the time she read the rules and we and she taught me to play it that's how 
well thought out this expansion was. That's awesome. It also tells you something about the rule book, right? That uh, yeah. the rule book was written well enough that a kid could kind of pick it up, read it, understand it, and be able to teach it. So that's fantastic. Um, well, that's climate climate supposed to like take the existing game and the components and turn it into a whole different game from what I understand. Well, yes and no. And that's uh, really okay. be the subject of my review, right? So yes, yes. Um, Evolution Climate is uh, beautifully produced. It is just as nice as all the other editions of Evolution. Um, you know, uh, the adaptations that I've come to know and love are in there. Um, uh, you know, Flight, uh, I think, was added in there as well. Um, you know, tree climbing, you know, there's all these kind of cool things that are in there. Um, but the main change is that, um, when you go to put out your card, uh, evolution has this system where you put out, everybody puts out a card at the beginning of the round, which is going to determine the amount of food that is going to be available. Mm -hmm. uh, the numerical value on the card is equal to the amount of food that you're kind of contributing uh, to the watering hole. And sometimes you want to contribute a lot uh, to kind of ensure that everybody gets a lot of food. And other times you might want to hold back and play a low-value card to try to mess with people, um, you know, particularly if you have uh, adaptations like long necks and things of that nature or fat tissue where you can survive lean times where others can't. Okay. Um, but... There's also a kind of a, um, a, a sum that you're going to be gaining from those cards as well. And you're going to take a look and see if it's going to trigger a climate change. Okay. And so there's a, a new sort of a central board and the central board has different sort of climate zones in it. Right. Okay. Um, different conditions that the planet could be under from, you know, sort of uh, ice age, kind of Arctic, uh, all the way up to super hot, you know, super tropical, um, volcanic, you know, apocalyptic kind of a landscape, right? Um, and so one of the things you're going to be checking then every turn is whether or not there's going to be a shift in climate. If there's a shift in climate, it's going to uh, possibly have an effect on all of the species that you have. So, for example, if the, um, uh, the temperature begins to rise, large animals begin to suffer, okay? Ooh, okay? And they will begin to even possibly start to die out, right? You may lose population. If the temperatures get colder... Um, then the large animals are the ones that tend to, um, you know, survive. Um, your adaptations can come into play here as well, depending on uh, what kind of adaptations that you have may help you survive these climactic changes. There are also sort of climate event cards. And if the climate shifts into uh, a different sort of a zone, you might have an event that will also kind of pop up. And there's like little decks of event cards, and these events are generally bad, but there are some that are good or, or maybe helpful. Um, but, you know, just really adds a lot um, to the game as far as modeling the effects of environmental change on animal populations and, uh, you know, their, their sort of morphology, if I'm using that word correctly, mm -hmm. you know, their body type, their body size and things of that nature. So really, really dug it. Here's the thing. I tended to find that it didn't always shift as much as I thought it was going to, oh, or okay. it would tend to kind of go back and forth, back and forth where, you know, it would go up and then it would go down. And so, um, I think that's a good thing, probably. I think if you were wildly swinging um, all over the place, it would probably really maybe derail the game. Um, so these slow kind of changes and shifts back and forth between two kind of climate, uh, climate conditions is probably a good thing in terms of gameplay. But from a thematic standpoint, I was just dying, like, you know, <laughs> waiting to see what was going to happen when, yeah. you know, stuff got real and you know, <laughs> things got really cold or whatever. And it just didn't happen as often. It didn't have as big of an impact on the game as I imagined it was going to. And this is the weird place I am about it. I 
I think my brain tells me from a game design standpoint, this is a good thing, like I just described. Mm-hmm. But my sort of curious side, you know, my what if side um, wants to see, you know, this crazy wild swings of temperature and crazy events. And, you know, I, I want to see what that does, you know. So uh, in some ways, I ended up feeling uh, just very mildly disappointed. I, I don't want to I don't want to overstate it. And it might have to do with my expectations, kind of like your Power Ranger expectations. Yeah. You had no <laughs> expectations. And so you're like, this didn't really stink as bad as I thought it would. My expectations were just through the roof because of what a great job they had done in previous editions of modeling things mm-hmm. in really simple terms. And, you know, they did it. Like, they did a really good job. I don't want people to think that it doesn't work or that it's not good. But I'm also not going to hide the fact that I kind of was hoping to see more. I was hoping to see it have more of an effect on the game, even though I think it might have, you know, sort of made the game feel more random and maybe people wouldn't like that. So, uh, you know, my kind of final verdict is this. It's in my collection. I still have it. Like, it is a good game. It is a lovely addition. It has everything that I really want. Um, but if you're getting it to kind of play those fun, what if games about wild, you know, climactic changes and, you know, climate change and, and whatever, I I don't know that you're necessarily going to see it unless we just had lots of really weird plays. Um, but you will feel it from time to time. And it is kind of cool to watch that sort of temperature shift and, and things go back and forth and whatnot. So, uh, I definitely recommend it. But I just wanted to kind of throw that caveat in there that it's not necessarily going to give you, you know, this this huge um, epic kind of like, you know, the comet slams into the earth kind of a thing. Um, You're not really going to necessarily see that most of the time when we played, we never made it to the extremes of temperature. Hmm. Like it just kind of bounced around in the middle and it definitely had an effect, but it was largely kind of like more of a nuisance than anything that I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? You know, kind of a thing. So um, that's kind of, you know, the, the way I feel about it. So I would definitely say if you're a fan of the series, it's a no brainer. Get it. Um, if you are curious about it um, or thinking about using it in the classroom, get this edition because it does address the, the changes in climate. And what then you could use it as a teaching tool and it's fun. Um, and it still has all the great sort of content in there that the earlier versions did. So absolutely go get it. If you have evolution and evolution flight from the way you're describing it and you're happy with that, maybe you don't necessarily need to get it. Um, you know, that your mileage may vary, but that that's kind of where that's kind of where I would kind of come down with this one. Um, You know, definitely a a cool game for people who have not yet taken the evolution plunge. How about that? Well, yeah, I still plan on getting it. It's going to be a birthday or Christmas present at some point for my daughter. Um, I would just say if you want something with crazy catastrophic events that involve animals, there's always dominant species. (laughs) That's (laughs) true. If you want like a volcano that just wipes everything out or just these random events that you just pick up and (laughs) it's just this crazy things go down and you're constantly trying to work around it and survive you know you got that you can always fall back on i guess that know? is true and it is one of my favorite games oh, of all time but it a, is a three to four hour game yeah. so it's a, it's a mean beastie <laughs> but it's good so exactly whereas I this game a lot faster <laughs> yeah, so if you want some meanness uh, break that out in three or four hours and we can talk about catastrophic events running your strategy exactly yeah 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 no doubt about that so well you know i'm glad that i was able to kind of uh, give you a little bit of a peek into what's going on with evolution climate uh from north star games it is definitely uh a fun game and a beautiful game uh, and it plays up to six players, which is really kind of sweet. That's nice. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is because there's a lot of times when, you know, boy, six players, it's like, do you want to play power grid? <laughs> you know, six players. Do you want to play seven wonders? It's like six play <laughs> six players is an odd number. You know what I mean? But uh, this game handles it very well. And you're talking about an hour. So, and there's lots of interaction and in your face and, you know, 
um, uh, you know, uh, animals going after other animals and uh, making all these kind of adaptations to survive. And uh, then you have a wildfire, you know, and you're like, dang it, you know, what happened there? And, you know, so there, there's these events that pop up and, uh, you know, one of them might be the meteor, you know, uh, coming down. But, uh, you know, for the most part, the, the you know, events and, and things that you're going to see at the climate are going to be um, uh, enough to be like interesting, but not like destroy you, which, you yeah. know, again, is probably a good thing. <laughs> so um, I've actually seen evolution the beginning at, at Target. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're interested in this series, I mean, all you have to do is go to a local store and you can pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've played evolution at the beginning and there's nothing wrong with it. It is a, it is a very accessible, even faster little stripped down, but really kind of a cool little fast game. But, uh, you know, climate kind of has everything I want as far as like the classroom goes, you know, being Mm -hmm. able to look at, uh, events, and climate change and you know adaptations and species and populations and i i just really enjoy it from that standpoint as well as a gameplay standpoint so uh evolution climate it kind of came out and a lot of people were talking about it but then i didn't hear a lot about it but boy when you look at bgg it's rated an eight it's up there yeah it's up there and it's got one uh uh, 1500 ratings so it's not like it's an unknown game but for some reason i guess because it came out like at the same time as like scythe and all these other games it kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit which is kind of a shame because it's quite a good game so um yeah you know that's definitely something i would uh, also check out so uh, all good news this week on this episode of quick looks we got three nice games for you to check out so uh tc do you have any sort of closing thoughts before we uh, wrap this one up no um geez um the only game i wanted to mention was that i know we did that where we did a best of from two years ago and mm-hmm. we talked about top 10 and one of my regrets was that there were two Watch Your Games games that came out, Signore and Nippon. Oh, yeah. And I had been, you know, at, at that point, I played Signore and it made, you know, one of my top games of that year. And one of my regrets was I never had a chance to play Nippon. I finally got around to it. We have played the game every Wednesday night for almost a month now. And if you have not checked this one out, you really should. It is a really interesting really clean, really f- surprisingly fast economic game with some absolutely really crunchy decisions. And there is so much you want to do and you don't get to half of it. <laughs> absolutely. And you know what? I agree with you wholeheartedly about that um, because I've had Nippon for a while and uh, I think we should just do a show about it because this is a game that is, got so many novel mechanisms with the way the workers uh work and um the 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 way the board works the intense competition that's there uh the tech tree that's there it's a phenomenal yeah. game so the area uh, control it's an interesting oh, yeah. on area control it's you choose your victory conditions and you just pursue them and what i've discovered in the four times i've played this is that People are choosing different multipliers, but we're all coming within like seven to ten point spread with the yep. four player game. It's, uh, that is amazing to me. I'm just like with all these options, they could make a game this tight and this. Wow. I, yeah, and you I never feel it. like you're on rails, do you? You never no, get you that feeling now. It's so open at the beginning. You can just it's just it's open. I yeah. do not know why this thing did not get more acclaimed than it did. I, I am baffled. I've heard that the designers, you know, that Madeira and that Panamax were better or blah, blah, blah. But I'm telling you, don't overlook Nippon and be on the lookout for Brazil that's coming out. Yeah, it's, I've heard good things about that, yeah. too. Yeah. Well, you know what? We should definitely do. Uh, we'll, we'll call this a teaser. We should definitely do a Nippon episode because I've played this thing probably at least 
eight to ten times. I played the heck out of this thing when it first came out. So kind of like Railroad Revolution, I played the bejesus out of that game. So um, get get yourself a few more plays, and we'll definitely have a good conversation about Nippon because uh, I think it is definitely a game that uh, I'm always going to have in my collection. There's just so many things about this game that I love. So yeah. um, we'll definitely have to talk about that one. Well, for TC and myself, I want to say uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening. If you are at all intrigued by any of these titles, go check out GameSurplus.com. Um, GameSurplus.com is a fantastic resource for board gamers and uh, is just going to uh, impress you with their customer service, their packaging, their shipping, the speed of which they get your order out the door. And, um, you know, I, I know they have uh, uh, Cole Baron, uh, the card game. Uh, I'm pretty sure they have Okie Dokie coming soon um, because Tasty Minstrel is about to release all of those games very soon to people so that they can check them out, including Guns and Steel, uh, the Orleans expansion, all sorts of great stuff coming from Tasty Minstrel. Um, but GameSurplus.com is a, a great uh, online retailer, a resource, and friend of the gaming community. So go check them out. Yeah, I'm so going to plug, I'm going to interrupt you from and plug yeah, yeah, them yeah, right quick. Um, they managed to hook me up with my ant game, Miramis. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was on sale. And they, it was, yeah, I, I, I was great. That thing was so out of print and so hard to find. They set me up. And also, um, I was looking for Madeira, Madeira, the, you know, since yeah, I yeah. played mm-hmm. Nippon and, and everyone else was sold out of it, but they have some copies there. They do. And then yes. they also have uh, Lorenzo Il Magnifico that's uh, available for people who are interested in that as well. So uh, definitely go check them out. Uh, it'll be well worth your time. Well, for TC and myself, I want to say thanks to everybody out there for listening and have a great night. 